0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. A joyful person, again, is one that usually brings joy to others' minds when they're thought of. Uh, We usually don't have joy when we think about miserable people. But we usually have joy when we think about someone that is a joyful person. Uh, Anybody like me tonight could use some more joy in your life, could use some more happiness in your life. Sometimes we just go through the motions, are you with me? We all have responsibilities if you have a wife or family or children or a job or, you know, uh, whatever it is, uh, college or whatever you're going through, you've got responsibilities. Uh, Sometimes we can just go through the motions and... They can be joyless motions. We go through these motions, and we have to do things, and we have to fulfill responsibilities, and we have to fulfill duties. But going through all of those motions, we find ourselves without joy. We live from party to party, from high to high, from from fun to fun, but we really find uh, really no joy in the mundane, ordinary parts of our lives, which, let's be honest, most of our life is more ordinary and mundane than it is a high, more than it is a fun time. And life seems to be more lows than it is highs. Uh, Life seems to be more difficulty and pain than it is blessing and encouragement. And Paul found that even in his life as a believer. As he followed Christ, as he lived for the Lord, he found that his life was full of lows and difficulties and tribulations and all kinds of persecutions that he faced. But if you notice here, joy was in his life. It was evident in his life, not because of our circumstances. Listen, uh, you can go to the most beautiful place in the world geographically and still not have peace. Uh, You you can be in perfect situations and still not have joy. Uh, Some of us, we, we pray and we desire to have things and then we finally get what we think we want. And even in getting what we want, we still have no joy. Because joy is not found in our stuff. Uh, How many have ever got that new thing, that new item that you wanted? How long does that new thing keep you happy? Well, until the next new thing comes out, right? Until the next edition is released. Until whatever it is that we're looking for next. Uh, our, Our needs are insatiable. We just continue to desire more and more and more. And it doesn't matter how much we get, we still desire more. And a joyful person is one that usually brings joy to others' minds. But it's amazing that in Paul's situation here, that he was thinking of others and not of himself. Because Paul was writing this letter to the church at Philippi from prison. So here's Paul, he's in jail. But he's not in jail because he broke the law or committed a crime. He's in jail because he was preaching the gospel. He was in jail for doing what I'm doing tonight. He was in jail for sharing the word of God with people where uh, they were persecuting those that were preaching the gospel. Paul was persecuted for it. He was sent to prison. He's in prison. He's waiting for his execution. And he writes a letter and he talks about joy. You know, many of us, we, are, we have pain and suffering that's in our life, but a lot of it's self-inflicted. How many have uh, pain and suffering in your life because of mistakes that you've made? Uh, they're self-inflicted, they're things that you've done, and so you have to deal with the consequences of the situation. Uh, Paul hadn't done anything wrong, but yet he was facing very difficult consequences for doing right. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? When we do what's right and we still don't get uh, goodness, we still don't get blessing, and here he is, and you'll never find a more miserable person than one who is self-focused. Paul was not self-focused. As the saying goes, it's joy, Jesus, others, and then yourself yourself last. And boy, that is the key to joy in the Christian life. It's putting yourself last. It's living a sacrificial life. It's dying to yourself and living for the Lord Jesus Christ and living for others. I tell you uh, that I find more joy in serving others than I would ever find in serving myself. Find more joy in serving Jesus than I would ever find in serving myself. But I find satisfaction in myself that when I finally get to myself... Jesus, others, and then myself, boy, I have joy. And the Bible calls it joy unspeakable. It's almost indescribable joy that comes uh, from the Lord. And Paul's a great example to us, again, because he has good reason to think of himself, but he finds himself in this passage thinking of others in the body of Christ. And in this passage, I believe that we're given a formula for maintaining joy in difficult times. And if you struggle with, as our series is called Joy Leaks... If you struggle with joy leaking out of your life, can I remind you tonight that one way to maintain joy is to go to the Scriptures and see what the Bible says about joy. And I, I would submit to you, number one, that the way to maintain in your joy, joy in your life is to think of others. Think of others. Paul chose to remember the blessings over the burdens. He, he chose to remember the people instead of the pain. Uh, I could take you tonight, and I'm not going to, for sake of time, read the passage of Scripture. But the church at Philippi began in Acts chapter number 16. I would encourage you to go back and look at Acts 16. And you know what? We'll, We'll turn there, and we'll look at a couple passages there. But go back to Acts chapter number 16. This is where the Philippian church began. And Paul was called. Remember, he got that vision to come over to Macedonia and help them. And uh, Paul had a desire, he saw the vision, the Bible says in verse number 10, immediately endeavored to go into Macedonia, gathered uh, that the Lord called for them to preach the gospel unto them. And uh, the Bible tells us as they go, verse number 12, from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia in a colony, we were in that city abiding certain days, and on the Sabbath we went out of the city by Riverside where prayer was wont to be made. So they're going, they're on their way to a place where they're going to spend some time in prayer, and they spoke to women which resorted thither, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto things which were spoken of Paul. So she received Christ. Here's a woman, a successful woman, and and I I tell you tonight that one of the people that Paul's talking about here in the passage that he's remembering is this woman, Lydia. Successful businesswoman, uh, one who Paul makes and. Intellectual uh, 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 you know presentation of the gospel too appeals to her questions she 's thinking about God, she wants to know more about God, she wants to know more about who Jesus is, and Paul begins to explain things to her, she gets saved, and she follows in baptism and her household. the bible says, and from there, if you move through the passage it 's interesting how the how diverse this area is because we go from him thinking of this woman, probably this businesswoman, Lydia the businesswoman, to a slave girl who we find next. Here's a, a young girl who's being used and abused, and she's being uh, used to make money, and she's full of, the Bible says here, evil spirits, and uh, she's uh, giving people's fortunes, and she's giving people's futures, and she's being used uh, to sell uh, to, to sell her, her giftedness, if you would, or spiritual or intuition that she has, and... This little girl, uh, she begins to disrupt them as they continue to uh, go about their prayer and their ministry. And she begins to scream and yell. And Paul uh, doesn't appeal to her intellectually. There's no intellectual appealing to a crazy person. But can I tell you that even the gospel can fix crazy. Are you with me tonight? And here she is. She has an issue. And uh, Paul speaks to her. He calls to her spiritually. She believes on the Lord Jesus Christ the spirits that are in her leave. She gets saved and she's baptized and she follows the Lord. And then from there, for doing that, the people there get angry because they lose uh, this girl's prophet, the prophet that she's making them. And they imprison Paul for preaching the gospel. And there he's thrust into jail, but for a purpose. Because at midnight, he's singing. At midnight, he has his feet in the stocks. He's been beaten. At midnight, he begins to sing to the Lord. The Bible says that a great earthquake shakes the prison and all the doors are open and the jailer comes and for fear of his life as the uh, it would have been his responsibility we've got this average Joe this ex-GI this former Roman military man who's now serving the last of his retired days as a jailer and he's there in the prisons he's watching over these prisoners and Paul's there thrust in the prison for preaching the gospel and he uh, finds that when the doors are open, none of, the, none of the prisoners run away. And Paul says, we're, we're all here. Do thyself no harm. That man falls down on his knees and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what does Paul say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And he takes Paul back to his house and he washes his wounds. He believes on Christ, Paul's opportunity to baptize him and his family that evening. And that is how the church at Philippi began. That's how this Philippian church, it's diverse. Uh, this, this pagan culture is changed and turned upside down. We have an Asian woman in Lydia. We've got a Greek little girl. We've got this Philippian jailer. And this hodgepodge of people come together and the gospel brings them together. You know, that's what Paul is remembering as he's there in prison awaiting his own demise. He's remembering and he's choosing to think of the blessings and not the burdens. He's choosing to think of not the persecution and the peril, but the people. And here's the the truth, that the people make all things worth it, the people in our lives. God places people in our lives for a purpose, and I'll tell you, Uh, That's why as a church body we're to love each other. We're to help bear each other's burdens. The truth is every single person in the room uh, that met this morning and met tonight, every single person has problems. You're not the only one with problems tonight. We all have problems and we all have difficulties and we all have struggles. But I tell you, one way to maintain your joy as a believer is choose to think of others and not yourself. And here he is in this situation and he says... For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And this Philippian church begins, a Jewish fashionista, a businesswoman, a demon-possessed slave girl, and a blue-collar XGI, duty-bound to the Roman Empire. Probably not exactly your dream church-planting team, but the Spirit works in strange ways. And we see this backstory of Acts chapter 16 and the beautiful reconciliation that the gospel achieves, not just of unholy individuals to a holy God, but superficially incompatible people to each other. God not only reconciles people to Himself, but He reconciles them and puts them together in a family. That's the wonderful thing about the church. We're diverse in our culture. We're diverse in our backgrounds. We're diverse in in what we know and our educations. We're diverse in our financial portfolios. We're diverse in every way. We have every reason not to have unity, church. But that's why the church is supposed to be diverse. It's not supposed to be one color. It's not supposed to be one creed. It's not supposed to be one culture. It's every nation, tribe, language, people, tongue. The gospel changes all of our lives. And you know what it does? It puts us together. It makes us one in Jesus Christ. Jews, Greeks, Gentiles, all of them put together, brought into a family. And Paul was remembering the power of the gospel to bring people together. You know, it's amazing how families coming apart can be brought back together through the gospel. It's amazing how marriages that are failing can be brought back in together through the gospel. It's amazing how difficulty in people's lives can be secured through the gospel. And I'll tell you, the gospel of Jesus Christ has not lost any of its power tonight. It's still available to all that will call on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. I'll tell you, if you're struggling with joy tonight, joy is found in Jesus Christ, and God wants to put you in a wonderful family called the church. And he wants to equip you and encourage you and make you uh, into what he designed you to be, to bring glory to him for his purpose. Number one, I believe joy is maintained in thinking of others. But number two, I believe that the text would teach us that joy is found also in praying for others. Look at verse uh, verse number four in the text. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. He didn't just think about people, but he prayed for them. It's another level, isn't it? It's another level. Sometimes we say we're praying for people and we're just thinking about people. But really, praying for people, that brings it to another level. Uh, some of you here tonight, you don't know, but our church has prayed for you. Uh, you know, we're amazed sometimes that um, we think that, you know, prayer, you know, oh, well, if the people don't know that we're praying. Paul reminded this church at Philippi, He said, All the time, I'm remembering you. All the time, I'm praying for you. You know, prayer makes a difference. And there's much joy that can be maintained in our lives through prayer for others. Prayer is more than, again, just remembering someone. It's taking them to the throne to find grace to help them. It's a form of spiritual fellowship with them without having them in our physical presence. You know, we can fellowship with others, other believers in prayer. Notice joy can be maintained through prayer for others, but notice what kind of prayer it can be maintained through a consistent prayer life. Notice he says always in every prayer. I believe that Paul was a consistent prayer. He, he, he was praying always. He was continuing instant in prayer. Uh, how many, it's been a while since you prayed? <laughs> maybe that's you tonight. And maybe, maybe the only time you throw up a prayer is when you're in trouble. God, help me. Get me out of the situation that I'm in. You know, be careful when all you're praying is 911 calls to God. You know, God, get me out of my situation. God, help me in the situation. You say, well, God wants to hear those prayers. He does, but I tell you, He desires to hear your prayers of worship. He desires to hear your prayers of thanksgiving. He desires to hear your prayers of confession. He he desires to hear your prayers of intercession on behalf of others. Notice it's a consistent prayer life. Not only does He say always in every prayer, but He says always in every prayer of mine. It's a personal prayer life of mine prayers. He's not just talking about corporate prayer in the church. He's talking about his personal prayer life. Uh, Do you have a personal relationship with God? You know relationships are built on communication, aren't they? Can you have a relationship with someone that you don't communicate with? It's impossible, isn't it? You can't maintain a relationship with someone you don't communicate with. And I would submit to you tonight, the people that you don't want to have a relationship with are the people you don't talk to. The people that you don't communicate with. But can I say this tonight, that God wants to have a relationship with you and God wants to talk to you every single day. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give wisdom to you. He wants to counsel you. He wants to give instruction to you. Isn't it amazing that we sometimes don't have time to hear what God has to say to us? But God always has time to hear us. He has always always has time. He he tells us in His Word, believers, I, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and will open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. Uh, It's amazing how we as believers sometimes don't have time for God in prayer. It's to our shame. But what a great example in a consistent prayer life and a personal prayer life, but not only always in every prayer of mine, but he says making request with joy. Joy can be maintained through an intercessory prayer life. An intercessory prayer life. You say, what do you mean? Prayer for others. Prayer for other people. Prayer on others' behalf. Sometimes we pray only for ourselves and we find ourselves joyless in our prayer life. If your prayer life is all about you, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get much joy from it. Sometimes we pray and we're just complaining to God. We're complaining about our circumstances. We're complaining about our situations. And God wants to change us in our circumstances. Sometimes God doesn't change the circumstance, but He wants to change you in your circumstances. How many think in your life there's some things that need to change? You with me tonight? There's some things that need to change. You know that there's some things that need to change, but how hard is it to change? You know, we say, well, you know, tomorrow I'll do better. You know, I'll start on, how many have ever started on Monday again? I'll quit next week. I'll stop next month. And by the way, what we say about our sin, oh, I can stop anytime I want to. But then we find ourselves slaves to it. We find ourselves without the ability to stop, without the ability to quit. I tell you tonight, it's so important that we pray for each other. Let us pray for each other's needs. Let us pray for each other's uh, burdens. Let us pray for each other's own repentance and sins and areas of our lives that need to change. Let's support each other through prayer. I tell you, your friends are the people who encourage you to run to the throne of grace. People who are your friends that really care about you, encourage you to go to God not to run from God. It's amazing who sometimes we think who our friends are. We think our friends are the people that have fun with us. I tell you, when the fun's over, they're not being around for very much longer. When the fun stops, when the money runs out, when the party ends, when the last song is played, I tell you, that's when they are gone. But I tell you, you know who has your back tonight? God does. He loves you. He loves you. Uh, He died for you. And, you know, anybody who loves you will point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Making requests with joy. Not only do we see joy can be maintained in thinking of others and praying for others, but number three, we find in verse number five that joy can be found in fellowship with others. In fellowship with others. Look at verse number five. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. If you look at verse number three, when we think about others and why the theme is others, notice, notice these prepositional phrases. He says in verse number three, of you. In verse number 4, he says, for you. Verse number 5, he talks about your fellowship. In verse number 6, he says, in you. He focuses on others. Focuses on those that are in the church. His focus is on the church at Philippi. And his joy is being maintained by his outward focus on other people. Fellowship with others. Paul maintained joy by focusing on those who engage in the gospel with him. Through prayers for him, through financial support, Of his ministry through their letters to him, through their care for him, you know how you know people care for you. They show up when you're in trouble. They show up when you're in trouble. They they show up. They're there for you when you have needs. I want to tell you tonight, if uh, there's anybody that has a need tonight or you have a problem tonight, I want to be your friend. I want to help you tonight, Uh, if I can. But uh, we we say sometimes, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. You know, sometimes we don't have money, but, you know, how many know that money doesn't fix that many problems anyway? Sometimes it creates more than it fixes. You know, we'd, we'd like to have all the money to fix all the problems that we think that we have, but I tell you, as I look at people that seem to have all the money in the world, their problems don't seem to go away. They seem to have more and more problems. But it's fellowship with others that brings joy in our lives. Notice it's continual fellowship. He says, from the first day until now. From the first day until now. You know how you maintain joy? By continuing to fellowship with other believers. If you want to lose your joy, stop fellowshipping. Stop showing up. That's why he says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves. Don't forsake coming to church. Don't forsake gathering with the church. We are the church, and so how do we... Uh, this, this is not a church. This is a building. The church is the people. And how, how do we have church? Well, the people come together. The church gathers. We've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light, but we've been called into a family. And how does a family operate? Well, we operate together. We don't operate at all. You know, we have to be together. And God wants us to be together. How many know that sometimes you lose your joy because you just don't fellowship the way that you should with other believers? You spend time, too much time alone is not good for us. Too much time away from the Lord and from others, boy, that's terrible for us. Fellowship continues. He says it's a continual fellowship. You continue to fellowship with me in the gospel from this first day even until now. He's thankful for their faithful fellowship. They've been faithful in fellowship. But not only that, but the fellowship of convenience has turned into one of maturity. It's a growing fellowship, a growing fellowship. I'm thankful for the gospel because as the gospel does its work in our community, you know what happens? The church grows. You know why? Because it is God who's working in us. It is God who is building His church. The Bible says Jesus said this, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You want to be in a safe place? Be part of the church. Church is the safest place you can be. You know why? Because the very gates of hell can't prevail against the church. It's the it's greatest, uh, greatest organization that we could ever be a part of. God has placed us into the body of Christ. And we're one. Every, the Bible says we have gifts that are different. We're different people. We're diverse. But you know what he's done? Every one member is one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, we have different gifts, we have different talents, we have different abilities, but we are one body in Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful thing. You know, uh, many times what we find in this world is just more and more disunity, more and more separation, more and more brokenness. And the gospel puts all of those troubles and trials and makes them for good in our lives. Fellowship with others. And then lastly tonight, we see that joy can be maintained in serving with others. Serving with others. Notice what he says in verse number 6. This is a great verse. Read it with me again. Would you look at it with me? Verse 6, we put it up there on the screen. Verse 6, being confident, read it with me, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There's not a lot of things you can be confident about, but I'll tell you, you can be confident about the work that Jesus Christ will do in your life. He is confident. When we think about God's work, it is all God's work. It is all God's work. You think about salvation. Salvation is God's work for us. In other words, in order for me to come to Christ, uh, God is the one that does the work for me. He does all the work. The Bible tells us, For by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then he says, For you, you're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You know what he's telling us? Hey, God's work of salvation is for you. But God's work of sanctification is in you, and God's work of service is through you. You know, God works for us, and then He works in us, and then He works through us. But it's all God's work. You know who gets the credit? He does, because it's all God's work. You know, none of us get the credit. This is not my church. I don't get the credit for the work. The, The credit for the work is God. God, it's God that works in us. Any good that you see in any of us is God. Any good that you see in yourself is God. You know, in the world we're taught to look at the goodness in our hearts and in ourselves, but it's God that tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not a one of us who'd stand before God and say, God, you should let me into heaven because I'm a good person. You know, God would look back at us and say there's only been one person that's ever lived on this earth that's been good and because of your sin he was crucified on a cross. Jesus Christ who is, knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. How many thankful tonight that Jesus Christ is willing to go to a cross for the dirtiest thought that you ever had. Jesus Christ is willing to go to a cross and die on the cross for the wickedest sin that you've ever committed. Jesus Christ is willing to hang naked on the cross, unashamed for you. And you know what we do today with the name of Jesus? Well, some like to use it as a curse word. Some some like to deny it and walk away from it. But I tell you tonight, either Jesus will be your salvation or He will be your stumbling block. But you can't get around Him. Jesus not only came, Jesus not only died, Jesus rose again the third day. It's the truth. It's not not something that I I just think or something I just hope. Paul talked about confidence here. He was confident. You know why he was confident? Because he had seen the risen Savior. That's why. You know why the apostles were able to die the way that they died for the gospel's sake? Because they had seen Jesus Christ alive. Uh, this is, the gospel is not some kind of thing that we made up so that we could control people. The Bible is not some book that was written by a, a bunch of men so that they could control people. The, the word of God, it's God's word. God, uh, the, this prophecy came not in old by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All scriptures given by inspiration of God, and God's given His word to us. You know why? Because He loves us. He wants us to know the truth. Blessed are they, blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. You know, we may not have seen the risen Savior, but can you can you listen to the eyewitnesses that God has left behind for us to hear their testimonies? in the scriptures of a risen Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who came and died on the cross, and boy, I don't know how we can walk away from that. I don't know how we could hear that and not believe. Would it be selfishness? Would it be sin? What would be the reason for us not to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? God's work of salvation is for us. God's work of sanctification is in us. You can be confident that he that hath begun a good work is faithful. He's not just faithful, but He's faithful to complete the good work that He began in you. You know, God never... Anybody have a project that's been left undone at home? Anybody have a project you haven't even started yet, you're supposed to do? You know, all of us know what it's like not to finish projects. All of us know what it's like also not to prioritize properly in those projects. You know, all of us have some unfinished business. But you know what the worst kind of unfinished business to have The worst kind of unfinished business to have is is to not have peace with God when you can. When all the work that has been done for the project has been done by Jesus for you. And all you have to do is repent and believe. You know, I know that that's not something you can just drum up on your own. It's only something that the Holy Spirit of God can do in your life. But I believe in the power of the gospel tonight. You know, serving with others is a joy because when we see God's work of transformation in other people, it gives us more confidence in the gospel. When we see God didn't just work in me, but He's working in others. Aren't you encouraged by that? I'm encouraged when I hear other believers' testimonies about how they were once something and now they're not. It was amazing this morning after uh, that message, I thought, boy, what a tough message uh, for some people on a Sunday morning and some of our guests... And uh, after about four or five people had walked up and said, Pastor, I'm in this situation and I'm going to get out of it. I've repented of it this morning. I'm going to ask the Lord to help me to change the situation that I'm in. What a wonderful thing to see that how God is doing work in people's lives. I used to think this way. Had, had someone tell me this morning, I used to think this way. And through the word of God, now I think this way. I used to believe this way, but now I believe this way. What a wonderful thing. What an encouragement to know, to be able to serve with others and see God's work. It brings confidence to our lives. And then it brings a reason to continue, doesn't it? But sometimes we want to quit. Anybody like that? You just want to quit. Sometimes we want to quit at life. Let me tell you, the devil would have you end your life. End your life. That's what he whispers to us, right? Life is not worth living. Might as well just end your life. I don't know if you've contemplated that thought ever. I don't know if you're contemplating that thought tonight. But can I tell you that, you know, uh, God, Jesus died on the cross so that you could have life and life more abundantly. What a terrible thing for you to end your life. The devil wants you to lose your life. And Jesus wants you to find life in him. And sometimes we forget that God wants to continue a work in us. Maybe you've been saved for some number of years, and maybe you're here tonight and you've been saved. You've been born again. You trusted Christ, but it's been a while since you followed Him. Maybe you backslid and got away from the Lord. You know what I want to say to you tonight? God is faithful to complete the work that He began in you. It's not an accident that you're hearing the message tonight. God God wants to encourage your heart to take up your cross and continue to follow the Lord. Boy, that's not going to be easy, I understand, but it's possible through Christ. Listen, how do we maintain joy in our lives? Well, it's about others. Jesus, others, and you. Last week, we, two weeks ago, we talked about joy in Jesus. Tonight, joy in others. Uh, joy can be found in thinking of others, praying for others. It can be maintained through fellowship with others and serving uh, with others. But sometimes, boy, we lose all of our joy because we only think of ourselves. And God wants to do a work in all of our hearts tonight. And may His Word, perfect Word, do its work. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.